Good morning, church. Oh, man, that last song. (laughs) That's great. That's great. You know, just to just to know the depth of his love. I I get it. You know, I know for myself personally, I can say that I'm I'm probably barely scratching the surface surface of the depth of the love that God has for me. But I'm, I'm so thankful that he uh, he takes something that's tarnished and messed up and he he doesn't even refurbish it. He, he makes you a new creation. <laughs> he, he literally takes all of the, the bad stuff out. And even though we still have that sinful nature, um, you know, now in Christ, we actually have the ability and the power to choose to live, <laughs> to choose life. You know, think about your own walk with the Lord. Before you were saved, you couldn't choose to do right. You might have thought you were choosing to do right, maybe in the world's eyes, but but from a, a spiritual standpoint, you and I were bankrupt before Christ, before Father God. There, there was nothing that we could do to get ourselves out of that situation. We had a, a, a lifetime of debt in sin that could not be dealt with unless his son Jesus did what he did. And then now we have the opportunity to respond to the conviction, to humble ourselves, to receive the free gift of salvation. That's the greatest thing that you could ever receive in this life. I don't care if you had Elon Musk kind of money. That doesn't compare. I don't care if you created Bitcoin or whatever the new form of currency they're trying to create. I don't care if you, you're the person that, that, that's in charge of, of, of heading the one world order and, and has all the, the, the ability to have all the control and influence of every nation on the planet. All that power or supposed power pales in comparison to the free gift of salvation that one can receive from Jesus himself. Amen. Um, I'll share with you this little thing. It was, it was, it was pretty cool this week. Uh, had some, some, uh, very cool encounter. Uh, I told some of the men, uh, on Thursday night about it, uh, but it got better because I ran into this person again, but, uh, Thursday, uh, Kalos had practice at Dixon Landing Park and, um, you know, he's, he's practicing and I'm, I'm sitting on the bleachers watching him play. And I noticed, uh, uh, there were two young boys that were on rollerblades, probably like around Kalos's age, maybe maybe nine or ten years old. And, um, you know, one of them was rollerblading and he ate it. He ate it bad. And, uh, you know, it looked like uh, for sure he definitely hit his knee. It looked like he kind of, you know, bumped his head on the ground. And, you know, uh, every time you, you, you know, you, you teach on something, the Lord's always going to give you the, an opportunity to actually don't talk about it, but actually be about it. You know, we're talking about the Good Samaritan last week, how uh, the Levites, the religious leaders, the ones that should have known what to do, chose not to do it. And it was the the most unlikely character that came to the aid of that person. And, you know, I'm sitting there on the bleachers and I'm I'm eating and and the Lord's like, go help that boy. And I'm like, Lord, I've got a first aid kit. (laughs) I'm thinking in my head, he's like, go help that boy. And I look around and, you know, everybody's on their phones and no one's paying attention. No one even noticed. And so I get up and, you know, I go and introduce myself to them and ask them, are you all right? And I said, where's your parents? I said, uh, they said, no, our parents aren't here. And I, I introduced myself. And then I asked the young man, I said, can I pray for you? And uh, it was funny. I was telling my wife this story. She said, you lay hands on him? I said, yeah, I laid hands on him. She's, oh, my gosh. 
I said, yeah, I said, I put my hand on his shoulder, but basically I just pray for him. And I just pray that, uh, you know, Jesus Christ would would heal him and that Jesus Christ would do a work in his life and that his head would be OK and then his body would be fine. And uh, it was cool, you know, um, you know, they, his friend kind of lo- looked off from afar. And uh, but, uh, you know, I prayed for him and then they took off. And then uh, Kalos has games at this same field and his games are on Saturday. And so we were there yesterday and uh, lo and behold, I don't know what I was doing. I was walking with Tirza and I was, you know, we we're going back to the car and I see that same young boy <laughs> and he notices me. I didn't even notice him because I was busy with my daughter. And, uh, you know, he said hi and he had a sparkle in his eye. And, and it, to me, it might seem super insignificant, but I know that the Lord was in that and the Lord was showing me, you know, uh, it comes back tenfold. <laughs> You know, it comes back tenfold. What, what you put out, they see that that's the there's so many promises that the Lord has for us. But many times we don't receive the promises because we don't hold up our end of the conditions. There's conditions to the promises. Right. Uh, if, if, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. And I'm not even, I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about the spiritual blessings that the Lord has for you and I. You know, just that that one encounter, just that young man recognizing me and 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 being having a kind look towards me, that that was that was everything to me. That was like that that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's about getting outside of ourselves and allowing the Holy Spirit to show us where can we be a blessing to somebody else around us in our community. It's not just about right here, right now. It's about this is the this is the huddle. This is the huddle. This is where we get the game plan. But but the real deal occurs in every day of your life outside of this building. We're only here for an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours at the most. So this cannot be it. This is part of it. This, encap- this encapsules what we're supposed to do, but we got to get far beyond this. We got to reach into the lives of people around us and see how we can be a blessing. Amen? Amen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. This morning we'll be in Obadiah, uh, again, chapter 1. We'll be going through verses 15 down through 18. This message is entitled, The Day of the Lord is Near. So when you get there, Obadiah chapter 1, it's, it's uh, in the cuts in the, in the Old Testament. Obadiah chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Please stand if you can for the reading of God's word. We'll help, go ahead and read our text this morning and I'll, I'll pray and then we'll get into our message. Starting in verse 15 and it says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. But in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape and it shall be holy. And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them. And there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau. For the Lord has spoken. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for who you are. 
We thank you for your holy presence in our lives. Thank you that you love us with such a deep love that uh, you, you pursue us all the days of our lives. You never give up on us. Lord, you're constantly trying to get us to come into alignment with your truth, with who you are, so that we could have, uh, be fulfilled, to have uh, true fellowship with you, to have true understanding of what it means to, to be human, to be created in the, the image uh, of your son, Jesus. And, and Lord, we thank you for your one and only son that you gave him as a ransom for many, for whoever would respond to the gift of salvation, who would ever hum would humble himself or herself, they have uh, access to eternal life forever. Peace, love, joy, happiness. No more fear, no more pain, no more shame, no more regret, no more guilt. Lord, we can live that life now. We can taste a glimpse of eternity with you now. Father, we thank you for this account of what went on between uh, the nations of, of Israel and, and Edom. And, and Father, the, the many, uh, Lord, you're, you're showing us examples of, of what not to do and what to do. Lord, help us to have wisdom to choose rightfully, to be mature in the faith, to be those that would choose life and not death. Help us to not harden our hearts before you, but to submit our lives Lord, soften us so that we may have pure hearts that are fertile for your good pleasure, so that we may be a blessing and we may be blessed as well. Bless us with a fresh anointing. Give us the opportunity and the understanding to rightfully divide your word. Fill us fresh with the Holy Spirit now. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. It's very interesting because I heard a message this morning and it just reiterated the fact of how important it is to be filled every day moment by moment with the holy spirit it's not a one-time gig we are baptized once in the holy spirit that's when you supernaturally become saved but there needs to that is the only way you and i can walk in victory in this life if you're struggling of your own accord because of choices you've made that are contrary to God's will. It's because you need to be filled fresh with the Holy Spirit. Moment by moment. Moment by moment. That, 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 there's no way around it. But when we're, we're, we're aware of that, man, there, there's, there's so much power. I can't even explain it in words. I can't, it's hard to articulate. But the last few days, there's something that's risen up inside of me. And when I was when I was either irritated or when I was weak or when I wanted to just kind of be lazy, there was something in me that, j j j that just came up in me and, and, I, and I had the ability to, to go beyond what I can explain. And I believe that is the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm beginning to see it manifest more and more in my life. And I pray that you are having these same kind of experiences, that you're, you're, you're experiencing the presence of God. Because the Holy Spirit lives within you. We need to get to a place when we're not looking out, outside. <laughs> it's in here. Not in our hearts as far as us. Because the world says, well, just look within your heart. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about born again, signed and sealed believers of Jesus Christ. Who have been imparted with the presence and the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. He is in you. He resides in you. And that, 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 the person of the Holy Spirit will give you power beyond measure, especially when you need it. We just have to be aware. So it's just been very interesting, and I'm just super grateful about that. But last week, we, we looked at what happens when uh, people allow sin to go unchecked in their hearts and their minds, and it's never a good thing. 
So again, conviction is good. If you get convicted, praise God for it. Praise God that your heart's not seared and you're like, man, I'm recognizing this is not good. All you got to do is repent. (laughs) Repent, get right, boom, you're back in the game. It's washed away. Don't hold on to it. Satan wants you to hold on to it and mull over it. And Oh, I'm this, I'm that. No, you're not that. You're a child of God. You're redeemed by the, by, by the Lamb of God. That's, who you, that's your identity. See, we have to not come into agreement with the things that the enemy would have us to come into agreement with. You see, the wrath of the Lord God Almighty, it came upon Edom. It could have been prevented, but because they would not humble themselves because they chose to not repent they experienced the lord's judgment and the same goes for us today we don't have to experience that judgment we don't but we got to humble ourselves the humility to walk in that to walk in that humble state in ongoing lifestyle that's how we keep clean and free from all the debris of life we're still going to go through things we're still going to go through um you know unfortunate Uh, unfavorable circumstances but we have the lord on our side if the lord be for you who be against you should we focus on the the horrible things of life or the difficult things of life the difficult things of life for the christian are meant to draw us closer to him to be conformed more into the image of jesus christ so so like paul said when you find yourself in difficult times and adversity rejoice I know it's easier said than done. It's easy to say it from the pulpit. It's a whole other thing to walk through it and do it. But, but I'm trying to encourage you through the, the Spirit of God to, to, to rejoice in the sufferings of life because they're only momentary. They're light afflictions compared to eternal state of forever being with God forever and not being apart from Him for eternity in a place that was created for demons, for fallen angels because they chose to rebel. You see, Edom, they chose the wrong thing to do. They chose to sit by idol while Israel was attacked by foreign nations. They actually boasted in the pain and suffering of God's people. We talked about this briefly last week. It was really bad because, in essence, they were kinsmen. There was some blood tie between the nations. And the fact that, you know, when we sin against family, it's not good. To make matters even worse, they ended up taking part in the attacks on Judah. There, there were people, there were refugees trying to get out of there, trying to find a safe haven. And basically they, they ran up on them and killed them. And not, not only did they do that, but they plundered. They took what they could that was left from, uh, from the nation of Israel when they were attacked by foreign nations. Me and uh, Mark, we were talking earlier and... Uh, you know, it's very interesting So, because if you recall when Israel marched around Jericho, we know that whole account, right? The supernatural act, they marched around seven times around the city, right? And then after that, the walls came tumbling down. They blew the shofars, they blew the horns, and, and, and the walls came tumbling down. But the Lord told them not to take any plunder for themselves. They said, he said, don't take anything. What he said was, get in there, <laughs> eradicate these people, kill these people. And some people have a hard time with that. Even some Christians, well, I thought God is a God of love. But we have to understand the Canaanites, it was over 400 years they had to repent. And they were very wicked people. 
I mean, we're all wicked, but they chose to walk in wickedness. They worshiped horrible false gods, basically child sacrifice. They had temple prostitutes. They did everything contrary to what God said to live. And so the Lord said, go in there. Don't take any plunder. Eradicate them. He said eradicate them because he knew if if they left any remnant of those people, a successive generation would come up and they would be bloodthirsty for revenge upon Israel. That's the reason why. And because they had time. But it noticed though, the whole point is God told them, don't take anything. All he wanted them to take was the precious metals. And it wasn't for them personally as so they could build the temple. It was for that purpose only. But that's completely different from all these other pagan nations. When they would come in and plunder, they would come in and destroy a city and they would plunder and pillage everything. It's a big difference from what Edom did. They didn't, they didn't do what Israel did. They came in, they, 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 they took advantage. They took advantage of a wounded nation and they took and plundered. This is what made it all the worse. They did everything they could for their own selfish gain. Today we will see that nothing done in this earth will ever go unpunished. Like, like everything that happens, we have to account for. Everything. Every person does. Every decision ever made, we will be accountable for. There will come a time in Edom's history... When they would have to pay for all the wrong done against the Lord and his people. And, and this, this message and, and, and this portion of scripture is a clear warning today to all nations of the world, of the earth, and to all individuals that we are accountable before Yahweh, regardless if we want to be or not. See, many times people say, well, it doesn't matter for me. But it does, because we all have a maker Nobody created themselves. We were all put here by Him. He's the Creator, and so we all will have to give an account one day. We have several main points, and the first one is this. The day of the Lord is always near, and everyone will eventually reap what they sow. You see, though Edom was acting oblivious to their sinful actions against the Lord and His people, there was coming a day that they would have to pay for their wrongdoing. This is a reality that many people flat out reject. I just talked about this. They just don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want to identify with the fact that they're accountable, that there is a creator God, that the living God, and we are accountable to him. But before I bash on, on people that think this way, Just think about it for a second. If you think about it, you can actually see why they take this position. This is why they have this disposition. Because the reality is, who wants to pay up? Who wants to pay up? Who really wants to be accountable? You see, in our natural state, apart from God's intervention, nobody wants to. Just go back to the garden. Think about what happened in the garden. Why did God ask Adam Where are you? God said, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Obviously, God asked because Adam was hiding. He he couldn't see him in clear sight. It's like, you you went somewhere. (laughs) You've been in pure fellowship with me this whole time. I've seen you. I've known where you've been. God knew where he was, but God wanted Adam to admit, to fess up. You see, but hiding, hiding, when Adam hid... It tells us a whole lot about our condition. You see, we only hide 
because of shame, because of fear, because of doubt, because of not wanting to be found out for who we truly are. That's why we hide. That's why we separate. We try to separate from the body. Something goes on and we're like, oh, I'm ducking out. Well, why are we ducking out? Because we feel guilty about something. We feel shameful about something. You know, I've been there, done that. You know, and, and, and you know, fortunately, thankfully, the relationship between, between me and my wife, it, that, it's not like that. <laughs> we, we've, there's been one time. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> but there was one time. And, and, you know, but for the most part, it's an open book. There's no hiding. I see it sometimes in my kids, and I get it because they got that sinful nature they inherited from me and Veronica. And they and and when they they didn't do something right, they go hide. It's like Tirza, I, you trying to hide? I I still see you, <laughs> and, and, and I know what you did, and and, and you're going to have to deal with it. But we can be the same way. This is this is this is the natural bend of our of our lives. This is what we do apart from Christ. You see. This avoidance is an attempt to dodge the consequences that you and I have brought upon ourselves. You see, Edom, they did horrible things in the sight of God. They basically teamed up with Babylon and attacked and pillaged Israel. The worst thing about it was they didn't even bat an eye. They had a, a, they had a, a, a seared conscience about it. They actually thought what they were doing was good. They were so deceived. This is an extremely huge problem, not only for Edom and the nations of the world today, but for every individual person. But here's the hope. (laughs) The great hope is found in Jesus Christ alone. You see, because he alone can wipe away all the fear, all the shame, all the regret. He can take it all away. And you don't have to live in that anymore. You don't have to think of yourself in that way anymore because you are a new creation in Christ. But you and I must be honest with him and not hide. That's all he wants. He's not we're not perfect. If we if we were perfect, if we if we, it would never happen. We'd all be annihilated because we're not perfect. So he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for honesty. And and that's a big part of humility. Is being honest enough to admit when we are off when we're missing the mark, when we're not doing the right thing. Obviously, you got to confine within the Lord, but that's also why it's good to have a brother or sister in Christ. We can't do this alone. I guarantee you, if you're isolated, you are not going to survive this Christian walk. You cannot isolate. That's why we meet on Sundays. That's why we have a day, the Lord's Day. Because we got to come together so you can get girded up, so you can be, you know, invigorated, so you can be encouraged. It's too difficult of a, of, of a life because what is Satan doing? He's like Robin Hood. He's constantly boom, boom, pulling the bow back, pulling the bow back. And he's constantly shooting these fiery darts at your mind. Do you and I realize that the thought process it, it, it is the battleground of Satan? It's a spiritual battleground. That, that's why we have to take every. The Bible commands us, take every thought captive. If it says take every thought captive, that means continually demonic thoughts are popping in my mind. Whether I want to admit it or not. Whether I want to say it sounds right or not. Some people would say that's not a correct doctrine. Well, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says take every thought captive. So if every thought has to be taken captive, what does that mean to you? That must mean that every thought passing through your mind is not good. 
the only good thoughts that come to your mind are from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Everything else is worldly and sensual. So you see, we have to be serious about this because that's how you overcome in Christ. Amen? We must allow ourselves to become vulnerable before the Lamb of God so that we may receive all the forgiveness we will ever need. Again, that humility, that's all he's looking for. And you'll feel it. He says, take my yoke upon you. (laughs) You don't have to bear your burdens alone. Today, I don't know where you're at. Don't bear your burdens alone. Cast your cares upon the Lord. He loves you. He wants to see you in a better place. He wants to see you lifted up above your circumstances. He doesn't want to see you drowned out by the difficulties of this life. You see, biblical biblical accountability begins with taking responsibility for one's own actions and making a conscious choice of allowing God and others to help in accomplishing what is right. Romans chapter 14 verse 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And when we're walking in newness of life, we'll be confident that when we do go before him, it'll be the blood of Christ that will justify us and we know we'll be in right standing with him. The second main point is this. There will always be a set apart remnant of God's people that will never be destroyed. You see, when we look at the account of Edom's reckless, destructive relationship with Israel, there's a pattern. There's a pattern we can see. Ever since Lucifer was cast out of heaven, there's been a war waging against God and his people. In the grand scheme of things, Edom was used as a means by Satan to try to destroy God's people. Just like all the others. Obviously, it didn't work. They didn't, he didn't eradicate them, but Satan tried. Again, remember the age of the pharaohs, right? Remember the days of Moses, right? The pharaohs tried to hold on to power, so what do they do? They said, you know what? Every male, male child born, drown him in the Nile. We're going to kill these male babies because we want to stay in power. They were using an earthly means of intimidation to try to keep and seize control over the land and remember king herod remember when he caught wind of a new king in jerusalem what did what did king herod say (laughs) same thing kill all the male babies kill them kill them all because i'm threatened by the fact that you're telling me you're coming here and telling me uh, the three wise men hey that there's a new king i'm the king i'm the king of jerusalem are you telling me there's a new king coming Throughout history, Satan has tried his hardest to eradicate the Jewish people. Though he try, he will not stop trying. He will never succeed. Mount Zion is the holy hill of God. All of this that we see in this this text this morning is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. You see, he will come back to Mount Zion and the Lord's people will be set apart holy and safe there under his care. But only those, there's a condition, only those who have humbled themselves and submitted all authority of their lives over to Jesus Christ will dwell 
upon Mount Zion. That's the condition. There's a promise. We'll be there forever. But you and I have to submit all authority to him. We have to delegate it to Christ. We say, Christ, it's you. You're the king of my life. You're the Lord of my life. You're the one who calls the shots. And I get it because all throughout every day, you're going to be wanting to do certain things. <laughs> and the Lord's going to be like, no. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> Lord's going to be like, no, do this. Now we have a choice to make. Are we going to say no to ourselves and, and, and deny ourselves? Or are we going to do what we want to do? My wife is always telling me that, deny yourself. <laughs> it's a lot when, with the kids and, you know, just, just going through life, dealing with young children and raising young children. But I got to deny myself. I got to deny myself for the sake of Christ, the sake of my children. I don't know what you have to deny, but think about that. The Lord is calling you today to deny yourself and to honor him. You see, Mount Zion is an escape, a refuge in Christ Jesus. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 3 says, And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem. You're a part of the new Jerusalem if you're saved. <laughs> you're signed and sealed. Nothing can pluck you out of the Lord's hand. So you're a part of that. You're a part of that. So are all the Jewish people that will be saved on that day. All right. The third main point is this. The Lord God. As much as we, we talk about his love, yes, that's one attribute. Remember, I, I like the analogy of like an onion. There are so many layers to peel back or a diamond. There are so many facets of a diamond. That's like how God is. There are so many facets to his character. He is love. He is love. But he's also an all-consuming fire. All that is stubble will burn away. But those refined by his fire will be purified. We're familiar with the refiner's fire. We're familiar with that account. In ancient times, refining fire was essential to working with precious metals such as gold, silver, and bronze. Its purpose was to take the raw ore out of the ground and separate the impurities called dross from the precious metal within the ore in order to make usable, valuable metals. That's what the whole purpose of the refiner's fire was. Spiritually, the same thing happens to you and I throughout our sanctification in Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, do you notice that you go through the refiner's fire often? <laughs> That's kind of part of the course in the Christian life. There's, there's no way that it just... Everything is just, no, there's no, there's no kind of uh, uncomfortable feelings or, man, this, this, ah, that hurts or, ah, that was, that, 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 that pierced me. That's all part of going through the refiner's fire because he's trying to take out the impurities out of your, your, your character and replace them with the character of Christ. And, 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 and the quicker you and I humble ourselves, and the sooner we stop kicking against the goads, meaning, meaning backbiting and rebelling, the quicker we rebel, or the quicker we don't rebel, excuse me, and submit ourselves, the, the easier it's going to be. The more we're going to get into a mode of, okay, this is kind of just the lifestyle. This is my MO. I, I'm, I'm humbling myself before the Lord. I'm humbling myself before people. When I don't have a correct thought about someone, I repent about it. I get right. I have a correct, a godly perspective of the person, and I move on. But that's how it works. 
But the, but the longer we hold on to whatever, whatever we think it is that, that, that's, that's, that's fulfilling us, man, the more we're going to struggle, the more we're going to ultimately suffer. Trust me, I've been there, done that. I don't want to go back. And I know you've been there, done that. Don't go back. If you're still in it, you just got to let it go. <laughs> Not like frozen, but you got to let it go. You got to just let, let all that stuff go and give it to God. Give it to Jesus for he knows what you truly need. You see, that's how, that's, how, that's how easily you and I can be deceived thinking the things of this world or the experiences of this life are, are, are so important to hold on to. You know, I told my son this morning, I said, you're, you're, you're on that fire. Get off that fire. Get in the word first. Do your verse of the day. I said, I guarantee you, you do your verse of the day first. You're going to enjoy being on that fire more. I said, that fire. <laughs> he went downstairs. He had the fire in his hand. I said, man, you left the most important thing you're supposed to have. I said, where's your sword at, man? That, that 24-inch fire or whatever, however big it is, ain't going to do nothing for you. <laughs> you need the word of God. You need the word of God. I need the word of God. That's the most important thing in my life. You see, much of this prophecy that I'm talking about in the moment was fulfilled when the Jews returned to their own land. But the salvation and holiness of the gospel and its spread and the conversion of us, the Gentiles, seem also to be intended especially to the restoration of Israel. Right? We think about that because there are many Jews that are coming to know uh, Messiah, Jesus as their Messiah. But there are still some that, that think that we stretch scripture out of, out of context and they don't believe that, you know, they don't believe that Christ is the Messiah. The reason why we're getting saved <laughs> And we're saved is so Israel can, can respond and recognize that Messiah Jesus is who he truly is. Also, this is for the destruction of the Antichrist and the prosperity, the prosperous state of the church to which all the prophets bear witness. Jeremiah chapter 23 verses 20, verse 29 says, It is... Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. Like fire, the word of God is quick and piercing and penetrating into the hearts and consciousness, consciences of men. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever read the word and you just... You got pierced! <laughs> the, the Lord... And it could have been something that... You, it could have been a verse that you've read 2,000 times. But it still has that same freshness. And, 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 and if he's trying to touch on something, he's going to touch on it. And you get pierced by it. That's, that's the word of God. It's quick and piercing. It is only by the word of God hearing it, taking it in, and living in obedience to its principles that people can be made whole in Christ Jesus. Once again, these are the provisions. These are the provisions and these are the, these are the things that we have to do. It's not enough to believe in Christ. Yes, we believe, but we, he wants to mature us. So he wants to take us a step further. He says faith comes by what? By hearing the word of God. And after you hear it, you got to take it in, meaning you got to retain it. It can't go in one ear and out the other. It's like, what did we learn? What did we read? I don't know. Well, then that's in one ear, out the other. No, it needs to be what was said. This is what's said. You should be able to break it down. You should be able to preach a sermon yourself. You know, does, you don't have to be called to be a pastor to preach. It's just sharing what the Lord has shown you. 
you know, have a conversation about it. This is what I learned. These are, these are the main points. This is, this is how it's applicable to my life, right? That's what, that's what's so big about that in, in this church here. We should be able to simply apply these principles because God, that's what God wants. He wants us to take the word, eat it, digest it, keep it in us, and apply it to our lives. That's how, we're, that's how we walk in obedience to him, and that's how we're made whole. And you'll experience more and more and more of his goodness. You'll be drawn in deeper and deeper into his presence when you develop a lifestyle habit of doing this. This, this, is, this is what needs to, this is what our lives need to revolve around. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're having trouble in your family, if you're having trouble in your finances, if you're having trouble at work, if you're having trouble with people, if you would just simply put the Lord God Almighty first, if you would devote your life to him apart from everything else, all the other things are going to work themselves out. They will. Everything else will fall into place. But it's when we don't put him first. It's when we give him 10% of our leftovers and then wonder why we're not being blessed because you're not giving the first fruits of everything you are. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your talent. I'm talking about your mind, your heart, your soul. That's what the Bible says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With every fiber of your being, you have to lay hold of him. You have to dig in. It's not this passive little baby Cupid naked on a, on a cloud shooting an arrow. That's not love. Love is, you get in there. We talked about this on Thursday night. Sometimes, sometimes the men say, you know, I, you know, I, I don't like you. <laughs> you know, to their children, I don't like you. Or their child says, I don't like you. That's fine. I don't have to like you to love you. There's going to be many times that we don't like the people that we love. Love is not an emotion. Love is an action. Love is a verb. You do love that mushy, mushy puppy stuff. That's just that comes and goes. That's why you see people fall out of what they thought was love. No, you weren't in love. You just were infatuated. You had a strong emotional connection to somebody. But when it hit the fan and it was tested and it went through the refiner's fire, you didn't hang because it wasn't raw. It wasn't real. It wasn't uncut like this. This is how our relationship with Christ needs to be raw, uncut. It doesn't matter what goes on. You're not going to forsake him. And for sure, he's not going to forsake you. But it takes a lifestyle daily, moment by moment. Man, my life is built upon the rock of Christ to develop this to where you can walk in confidence. And it's not being headstrong and it's not being arrogant. Again, it's being humble. I'm, I'm just sharing this is the this is the kind of commitment it takes because it's so sad to see people falling away. It's so sad to see people reneging on their faith and, and, and compromising and, and, and bending a knee and compromising to the world when they once professed Christ was their Lord. May that never be said of us. Amen. All right. We're looking at verses 15 and 16 now. And it says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as I have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. All right, we see this first statement. The day of the Lord 
upon all the nations is near. You see, God wanted Edom to know, though distress and calamity came upon Judah, it will also come upon uh, Edom. They thought that it wasn't going to, but the Lord's clearly showing them whatever happened to Judah, it's going to be like tenfold upon you. The day is near. You see, Obadiah announced the day of the Lord, the time when God will intervene in human affairs to judge the nations. Edom's judgment serves as an example of the judgments that will fall on all the nations in latter times that rebel against God. The phrase day of the Lord generally refers to any specific time when the Lord openly intervenes in human affairs to judge wickedness and establish righteousness in the earth. That announcement was good news for Judah because they were suffering at the hands of the Edomites and the other nations. If you think about your own life, you need to hold on to this promise because maybe you looking at the state of the world and you're like, God, where are you? I mean, it's, it's easy to get bogged down when you see the state of affairs going on with children and sexuality and things that the world is manipulating and twisting and the things that governments are allowing to happen, laws that are being passed. But, but we have to trust that God's in full control. God is going to vindicate every situation and he's going to right every wrong in his perfect timing. You see, the Lord will punish all nations for their sinful deeds. No one escapes. The application is this. The Lord then used Edom as an example for all the pagan nations and declared, as you have done, it will be done to you. Your dealings will return on your own head. You see, God's judgment will be an application of the second great commandment, which commands us to love our neighbors as ourselves. If we wish to harm our neighbor, God's justice will cause that harm to fall upon us. When you and I love our neighbors, we are the great benefactors because love is going to be returned to us. There's not going to be hate that's going to come back to us, even if the person doesn't respond in a loving manner. But that's what we, again, we have to go further than what we see. If we just go based on how people respond to us, man, you're going to be a disappointed Christian. (laughs) But you can't let yourself vacillate because of what people do. You have to trust that, okay, Lord, I'm walking in your newness of life. I'm walking in your truth. I may not see it right this moment, but I know that you have a great blessing for me because I'm being obedient. You have to trust that the Lord is good and he rewards those who diligently seek him. Amen. That's what the word of God says. But you have to diligently do it. Again, that means all your heart, soul, mind and strength, not just a little bit, all, all in. You have to be all in. So if we want mercy from God, you and I have to give mercy to other people. We have to show them mercy. There is a sense in which God's judgment against Edom was just the fulfillment of his promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And I'll read that. It says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So simply put, if you and I want to be blessed, we should bless the Jewish people. We should bless them. We should bless them. 
You know, and if all you can do to bless them is pray for them as a nation, pray for them as the remnant people, chosen people of God, that they would be convicted, respond to that conviction and repent and get right with the Lord, then so be it. But that's a blessing to them. You're interceding on their behalf. God will bless you for that. You see, the pronoun you in the phrase, as you have done, it will be done to you, is singular, referring to the nation of Edom right here in this judgment. The word translated as dealings in the phrase, your dealings will return on your own head, means reward or benefit. Edom's reward for their evil deeds against Judah would be to receive the same evil they executed on Judah upon themselves. It's like uh, that saying, what goes around comes around. Well, if you do bad to other people, that's going to come back on your own head. That's what the word of God is telling us today. You see, such evil deeds would return on Edom's head on the day of God's judgment. And we looked at this last week. What are the evil deeds of Edom? Well, they laughed at Judah and they boasted in the day of their distress. They, they, were, just, they were just shallow in their thinking, in the way that they approached uh, the nation of Israel. Accordingly, Edom would receive the shame they wished upon Judah back upon their own heads. They would be shamed themselves. They would be covered with shame and humiliation. They also gloated over Judah's calamity and looted their wealth. Once again, Edom themselves, the nation, would be ransacked. Then Edom cut down Judah's fugitives, meaning they killed everybody fleeing Judah. The justice upon Edom would be that every citizen of Edom would be cut off and slaughtered. It is clear from this account that whatever we do to others will eventually be done to us. Otherwise known as the golden rule. We've all heard that, right? The golden rule. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. But it's very interesting because back in ancient times, there was something commonly known as the silver rule, which states, it's not my problem Therefore, it's not my responsibility. The priests and the Levites lived by this rule. They, they, they didn't wound, they didn't do the wounded man any harm, but neither did they do him any good. They were neutral. This was the whole issue with the, with, with, uh, the account of the Good Samaritan. They, they just saw him <laughs> and they were indifferent. They didn't hurt him, but they also didn't help him. And this is where they were at. But you see, Jesus takes it a step further. We are not simply to live a neutral life before people. We are to be intentional in doing good towards them. <laughs> that's, that's the Christian life. It, it's, it's be intentional. It's, it's, it's when nobody needs anything, be a blessing. Be a blessing to them. Maybe they didn't call you to do it, but if the Lord puts it on your heart, be a blessing to somebody. Love on them. Show them kindness. Spark up a conversation. Say, God bless you. Ask them how their day's going. You know, whatever it is that the Lord is calling you to do. To a complete stranger. I'm not talking about people that you know. He said, what, is it, what, is, what good is it <laughs> that, 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 that we love one another? Yes, we are supposed to, but don't, don't get me wrong in the context of how I'm speaking this. But, the, but he says, man, even the sinners do that. Love those who hate you. Love those who, who don't wish well upon you. How do we do when we're fared with that? We're supposed to be kind to those who would wish a curse upon us. The blessing that we give to them will actually be a hot coal on their head. 
The Lord will take care of it. He takes care of his own. We don't have to be concerned about the details. We just have to be obedient to what he calls us to do in the moment. Amen? Amen. We are to live a life of intentionally being a blessing to those around us. This is what Edom failed to do. Instead of being a blessing, they were a curse. And as the Lord declared, because just as you drank on my holy mountain, all the nations will drink continually. The phrase, my holy mountain, refers to Mount Zion, which is in Jerusalem. Joel chapter 2 verse 1 tells us, blow a trump in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is near. Jerusalem is the city where the Lord dwells. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 11 tells us, On that day you shall not be put to shame because of my deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exudient ones, and you shall no longer be haughty on my holy mountain. You see, he will humble the proud. The scriptures prophesy all these things will occur. The idea here seems to be that all the nations seeking the demise of Israel, just as Edom has sought to do, they will meet their own demise. This is to be expected. This is to be an expected ongoing experience. When you, when you look at the, the landscape of the nations right now, you see that there's nations that are converging. They want to converge against Israel. They, uh, there's all kind of, uh, I guess they call them proxies, all these kind of rogue people around there, and they're constantly uh, attacking them. It's never stopped. It's going on right now. It went on yesterday. It went on last week. It's going to go on next week. It's going to continue to happen. But this is all prophecy, what the Bible has said is going to happen. This basic approach by all the nations would seem to culminate in the book of Revelation when the king of the whole world gather, when the kings of the whole world gather to war against Israel. That's going to be the final, right, Armageddon, and then everything's going to be done away with at that point. Let's look at uh, the last part of our, our message here, verses 17 and 18. And it says, but, on, but in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy, and the house of Jacob shall possess their, their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Okay. We'll look at the statement on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. This is, this is great. Trials. We can all relate to trials. We can all relate to burdens, right? Trials and burdens for, for God's people are only temporary because among them there will be deliverance. Question. What is overwhelming you today? What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that, 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 that's trying to put a stranglehold on your faith and causing you to look behind, your, behind you when you walk? What, 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 what's, what's causing you to struggle with having peace? What burdens are you carrying today? What trials are you walking through? Be encouraged. 
If you have surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ and have received him alone as your savior and the Lord of your life, your trials and burdens are only temporary. Amen. It may not feel like it, but again, we serve God out of obedience, not out of emotion. If you are serving God only out of emotion, you are going to fizzle out when your emotions cease to be pleasing to you. Our emotions are like a roller coaster, man. They vacillate. There's moments where I'm super energetic and happy and there's other moments where now I'm fuming, now I'm upset, now I'm mad, now I'm gritting my teeth. And that's when I hear my wife saying, deny yourself, <laughs> deny, deny yourself. I don't serve Christ out of my emotion. I can't trust my emotions. My emotions are fickle. My heart is deceitfully wicked. My heart is continuously plotting on what it wants for itself, not anything to bless anybody else. Michelle talked about it. Lord God, I'm so grateful that, that, I'm not, that my life is not governed by, by my, un, my own understanding. How much of a mess we'd be in if we're just going off of what we think. <laughs> it's a hot mess. We have to go off what the Lord says. You see, it may not feel like it that your, your, your burdens and, and, your, and, and your, your, your troubling circumstances are, are momentary, but we need to learn to operate by faith. Operate by faith, not by emotions. We have to, at times, you're going to have to will yourself to do the right thing. The will is a good thing. The will is a good, it was given to us for a reason. It's just don't misuse your will. Some people become very successful by the world's standards because they just willed it. They, they just bare knuckled it and built a corporation from the ground up. That was God-given will. It was just misplaced. It was misused. The Edomites had every God-given ability that they needed. They misused it for their own pleasure. And this is what happened to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 tells us, for this light momentary, momentarily, momentary, excuse me, affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, meaning they're going to pass away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, before the non-believers here in our context, for the Edomites, it would be very different. The attack coming against Edom, Israel would be the fire and Edom would be the stubble and Edom would be completely devastated and devoured. It reminds me of this word from the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. You see, we want to be those who build with gold, silver, precious stones. We don't want to be those who build with wood, hay, and straw. You see, the foundation of Edom was of wood, hay, and straw. 
nothing good spiritually, and it all burned up. It all burned away. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I pray that I don't want to be the one that, that gets into heaven and, and everything I thought that I did that was honoring the Lord and was pure, it all got, it all burned up. <laughs> it's like every good work I did, it all got burned up. <laughs> They're like, man, Lord, I'm just here. I'm glad I'm here, but I just got by, I just got in by the skin of my teeth. You don't want to be that kind of Christian. You want to be someone that's like, no, Lord, you laid the foundation. I'm walking in faith in your truth, and I'm walking in, in, in the works that you've prepared for me, and the works that, that you've prepared for me are, are, are built upon the, the precipice of Jesus Christ. Gold, silver, precious stones, things that will not tarnish, that will not fade away. The word of the Lord always proves true, and this situation was no exception. Speaking of the Edomites being completely annihilated. Kind of talked about that earlier about the Canaanites and, Je- and uh, Jessica when, when the walls, uh, Jericho, excuse me, when the walls fell. Jessica, I have, a, I have an old friend named Jessica. <laughs> the Edomites fought side by side with the Jews in rebellion against Rome in AD 66 through 70 and were crushed by Rome, never to be heard of as a people again. The predictions of Obadiah were precisely fulfilled. And today you just won't meet an Edomite because they've been annihilated. The application is this as we close. If we want to be embraced by God's love and not consumed by his fiery wrath, we must learn to walk in obedience to his will for our lives. We must learn to walk in obedience. We must learn to love obedience and walk in in his truth whether it be individuals or a nation the same principles apply you see god will not be mocked all will eventually reap what they sow for us today church may we become fully convinced and aware of his deep love for us and his many promises of eternal life in him through his son jesus christ john 3:16 and 17 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your love for us, your mercy, your grace, your kindness, the fact that you continue to point us in the right direction. Lord, you're you're, you're patient with us when we don't make the right choices. Father, I pray that you would awaken the inner being in all of our lives today, that we would open up to you and respond to the call on our lives to walk in newness of the Spirit by submitting our lives before you. There's nothing good that cannot be done in our lives if we walk in a lifestyle of submission to you. Whatever it takes, Lord, I pray you would break off the things that are hindering us from growing in you. Draw us deeper into your presence, Father, so that we may we may honor you and be a blessing to those around us, so that we may be freed of the bondage that continually tries to hold us down. Father, it's by your power, it's by the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, that we're made new. And so we thank you and love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's wonderful name.
Amen.